Father God, come and take these words and come and work your word into our hearts that we would know you more and live full of you, Jesus. Amen. So I've got a question for you this morning. Um, are you a, a glass half full person or a glass half empty person? If we can have the slides up. Um, are you a glass half full person or a glass half empty? And I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Come on. Great, let's have all of the optimists put your hands up. And all of the pessimists, well, don't bother. Um, there are other answers to this question, which is if you were an engineer, the answer would be uh, there's a problem with the glass because it's been over-engineered for the amount of water. It's a good answer. Actually, that's quite funny. I stole that off the internet. Just... There's not, many, there's not many jokes in this talk, by the way, so you, know, you need to kind of catch up to them quickly. Um, but my favorite answer is this one. It's the awesomest answer, which is, there's a dragon in the glass. A any awesomists in the room? There is a dragon in the glass. Um, so the awesomists would have spotted that, you see, because um, no matter what's going on, life's awesome and amazing. But also... Oh my gosh, I knew I shouldn't have started with this. The thing is, light, light, shush now, shush now. There's a lot to get through. Uh, life is sometimes complicated, isn't it? There was a season, uh, one of several, um, in a former role, uh, at least a decade ago, so that you can't pin it down to which place I was in, um, where I kind of found myself under enormous pressure because I was needing to challenge the things that were happening around me, but the institution wasn't listening, and I couldn't talk to the folks in the congregation that I was leading because that wouldn't have been appropriate. So I found myself under an enormous amount of pressure that's a not a nice place to be, and the, and the toll of it after about 18 months was, was that I felt incredibly low to the point where it was, it was just difficult to get out of bed, and, I, and I, I kept on going, probably longer than I should have done, but I kept on going, and, and, and in that time, I, I learned to do this thing, which I've, I found really helpful, and it's part of what I want to share with you this morning. I learned that before I got out of bed, because getting out of bed was difficult, and some of you know what that's like. I would lie in bed, still under the duvet, and I would thank God for at least three things before my feet hit the floor. I wouldn't wait to go downstairs and have a cup. I would do it while I was still in bed. Because if I didn't do that, I literally couldn't function. Paul has this... Um, a really annoying line. Paul's like that. Paul writes a lot of the New Testament. He writes a lot of the letters in the New Testament. And he has this habit, frankly, of being quite annoying. I think probably when we get to heaven, uh, there's going to be some conversations to be had with Paul because he's, he's so... He, 
He's, oh, he's so amazing, annoyingly amazing. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, he writes this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every... How annoying is Paul? He has got this whole life, Christian life thing, absolutely cracked. And, and, and frankly, sometimes those people are annoying, aren't they? Just saying, because you're so awesome. Awesomest, we're back to that. All right, so my question to Paul would be, Paul, what's the secret? If you, if you know how to do this... Please, could you share it with the rest of us? Because I would actually like to be like you, even though I find you slightly frustrating sometimes, because I'm not there. So, Paul, what's the secret? The great news is that a little bit earlier on, he tells us. So, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9, but I'm going to stop a little bit earlier than that. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again because it's important. Actually, that's what the text says. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. What's Paul's secret? His secret, I believe was thanksgiving. That's what this talk's all about. It's about thanksgiving. So, um, let me tell you about the nuns. Tenuous link. No, it's not tenuous link at all. Um, There is an amazing uh, study uh, that was done uh, with a a selection of nuns, 178 of them. And it was a a psychological assessment of their well-being and their physical well-being. And two particular nuns, you can, you can track this, you can Google it, just Google uh, nuns study life expectancy. Uh, two of these particular nuns entered the convent at the same time in 1932, and they took their lifelong vows. And at the point that they took their lifelong vows, they both wrote in their journal. The first one wrote this. God started off my life well by bestowing upon me grace of inesteem, I can't even read that, value. Um, The past year, which is so fun being a preacher and dyslexic, the past year which was spent as a candidate studying at Notre Dame has been a very happy one, and I now look forward with eager joy to receiving the holy habit of Our Lady and to a life of union and love with the divine. Marguerite, who wasn't quite as positive, wrote this. I was born on September the 26th, 1909, the eldest of seven children, five girls, two boys. My candidate year was spent in the mother house teaching chemistry and second year in Latin at the Notre Dame Institute. With God's grace, I intend to do my best for our order and spread the religion and for my personal sanctification. Two nuns, both entered the convent at the same time. 178 nuns were studied. Here's the thing. What they did is they gave their journals 
to a separate group of people who did not know their life expectancy, who did not know at what point they died. And they studied the words that they'd written in their journal. And here's the outcome. 90% of the most cheerful quarter of the nuns were still alive at the age of 85. Whereas only 34% of the least cheerful were still alive. By the time you get to the age of, 80, of 94, 54% of the most cheerful group were still alive. And only 11% of the least cheerful group. The conclusion? The happy nuns lived longer. It's an amazing study because where else would you be able to study a group of human beings that have the same daily routine, the same food, the same work patterns, and the only thing that's different is their outlook. And the happy ones lived longer. I've... Um, I finished this year uh, a postgrad diploma. I, I bailed at doing the masters um, in applied positive psychology and coaching practice, um, uh, which was um, on some occasions a lot of fun. And that's where I found this study because um, it's very, very widely written about in the kind of positive psychology world. And, and, and you will know that gratitude is a really big deal in our culture at the moment. You know, you can buy incredibly expensive gratitude journals off Amazon. Y you still have to fill them in. In fact, if you want to make a lot of money, uh, just design a gratitude journal and put it on Amazon as your side hustle. And apparently, according to the YouTube people, you will do quite well. Uh, gratitude is really popular. But here's the thing with gratitude. There was a couple who were having dinner. One of the couple believed in waiters, and the other did not. When the dinner arrived, mysteriously, magically appearing on the table for the one that didn't believe in waiters, that one said thank you, and their gratitude bounced around the empty universe and came back to haunt them because they were lonely. The one who believed in waiters caught the eye of the waiter and said, thank you. Guess which one had a better meal? You see, gratitude in our culture is really popular but it's also empty. It's documented that if you're, a, if you're a grateful person, if you're a happier person, that you will live longer. And all of those things are true because they've been studied. So it's good to be a happier person. It's good to be more grateful. But as Christians, we're not to do it in an empty way. 
back to Philippians 4 and Paul's great secret. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of us in the last three years have experienced some sort of anxiety? I know I have. You know, I, I, I've, I've had panic attacks. I've had, to, I've had to go and talk to people about the stuff that's bubbling away in my head. You know, we get anxious. There's stuff, isn't there? And if you've got, frankly, if you've got stuff, can I encourage you to go and talk to someone about your stuff? Okay? Thanksgiving is great, but it does have, it, it does have its limits, and I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But, you know, we do get anxious and we can choose to live in that anxiety or, Paul says, that we can choose a life of rejoicing and prayerful petition and, crucially, thanksgiving. Now, you might go kind of, Mark, okay, right, I, I, I get this, all right, you've got you've to be the kind of happy person, but, but as, we, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, the happy, thankful people are actually also quite annoying. I know, I know this. Um, you know, Meg, Meg was into confessions last week, so, so am I. Um, at the beginning of the year, when I found out that my dad was uh, getting unwell, and then he died later on in the year, um, I was kind of aware of this brain tick, and I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's not good. And all of my strategies, all of my uh, kind of Christian CBT, which is essentially what this is this morning, all of that stuff, it was like, ah, uh, now this is not cutting it. I need some help because this is not quite functioning right. So I sought someone out and I found a, I found a good person, a counselor to go and talk to. And, and I'm still meeting with her. We're having a little break for the summer. I'll meet with her again in, in September. We've been working through some really, really good stuff. Some stuff from... Uh, recent past, but also from a little while ago. You know, that's what happens. Isn't it? You have a conversation. You're not quite sure where the conversation's going. But one of the things that she addressed with me was that all of these skills that you've got for, for staying happy and faithful and following Jesus and, and being with people well, they're all good, Mark, but something's missing. And I was like, no, no, what? There's no, no, come on. And then I was like, no, back in the room. I'm here because I know there's a thing and I've got to resolve that. Uh, and what we ended up talking about w was this. You see, if we look at the life of Jesus, he's not always happy and thankful. He did not arrive in the temple to turn over the tables and wander around the place going, oh, do you know what? You, by the way, are doing a really great job with all of the money-changing thing and the doves that you're selling to stop people coming in to be able to worship God the Father. You know, you're doing a great job. Thank you for doing that. That's brilliant. Well, keep going. I mean, we could tweak it a little bit. No, he marches in with a whip and he throws over the tables of the money-changers and he absolutely goes crazy madly angry. But he did not sin. In our anger, we're not to sin. It was righteous anger. The thing that I'm 
learning about is that I've got to be more angry about stuff. Sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes I just, I don't get angry enough. I don't mean angry with other people, although maybe I need to do that too, but I mean actually recognizing that there are things that I'm angry about. So, you know, hey, pastor's got stuff that he's working through. That's me, okay, just so we're, we're clear, we're on the record. And, and, and then Jesus, with, with one of his friends, it, uh, Peter, is, uh, says some stuff to him. And, and, Peter's, and, and Jesus' response to Peter is not, oh, Peter, thank you for, for that great contribution that you've made. That, you, know, that's, that's, uh, you know, we need to tweet that a little bit. But, you know, on a whole, thank you, Peter, fantastic. What he turns around to Peter is, and says is this, Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is to his friend. You know, sometimes we just need to say how it is. So hear the, hear the call to thankfulness and the discipline of thankfulness. But don't hear unreality. Because sometimes we need to be angry, mad, direct. Lots of those things are with people. Sometimes they're with God. My favorite beach, one of my favorite beaches, I haven't been there for a little while, I, 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 I sense I might need to go there over the summer, who knows, it is, is a Clovelly Beach. Have you ever been there? Long walk down. One of the reasons why I like Clovelly Beach is that the rock, it's not a beach really, let's be honest about it, it's a collection of boulders. Um, but one of the reasons why I, I like Clovelly Beach is that the boulders are big. So if you've got that amount of anger in you to resolve, Clovelli's a really good place to go. Because it's more like kind of shot put, really, as you're trying to empty the pebbly, stony, rocky beach into the sea. Because, you know, that's one of the reasons. You know, sometimes there's stuff to throw in the sea, isn't there? And you don't get to do that by being thankful about it. You get to do that by facing it and maybe talking to someone else about it. Um, that's all by way of an aside, really. Um, what, is, what does Thanksgiving do? Psalm 100 says this, this. I love this psalm so much. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. I told you a story about a couple having dinner. One believed in God, the other didn't. What happened with the one that, one believed in waiters, the other didn't. The one that believed in waiters what happened was that when that person thanked the waiter, relationship was built. For the one that didn't believe in waiters, no relationship, they're not going to get that little extra glass that arrives at the end of the meal. The one, you know, you know how that works. <laughs> a little bit of, what's it, lemoncello. A little bit of lemoncello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, be friendly to the waiter and the waitresses, otherwise you don't get the lemoncello. Um, but relationship gets built. If you're 
If you're just spouting gratitude into an empty universe, yeah, you're probably going to live a little bit longer. Great, because that's what the psychologists tell us. And actually, the studies prove that out as well. But your thanks is going to bounce around the empty universe and come back to you, the person that's at the center of everything. But what thanksgiving does, when we place it in the right direction, when we thank our loving Father God for his daily provision, it changes everything. Because suddenly we're not the center, he is. We come into his orbit rather than kind of expecting him like some passing satellite to, you know, bless us on the way through. We come into his orbit, and literally the atmosphere around us changes. Psalm 100 is this picture of literally entering the presence of God. If you want to enter the presence of God, there's a really simple thing that you can do. You want to enter the, the presence of God, the temple of God? You know that picture that Meg was talking about? Uh, a couple of months ago. The, the entry point is, is, firstly, Jesus' death on the cross. But we thank him, and then we get to go through the gates. And then when we're in his courts, we praise him, and we see him more clearly. You know, if, you're, if your marriage is, is on the rocks, and, and you're both at the point where you can still kind of, you still want to work at it, can I, can I encourage you to, to do a couple of simple things? Start thanking each other. Every day. For everything. Yeah? Just, just do that one thing. Start thanking each other. Hey, thanks for, thanks for doing the Morrison's food shop. That was good. <laughs> you know, whatever it might... Because uh, what will happen is the atmosphere of your marriage will change. So what am, I, what am I saying here? I'm not, I'm not saying that we should become hopeful, happy, Christian, kind of, woohoo, everything is victory, come on. Frankly, life is hard. There's a war in Europe. Families are struggling to feed themselves and their children. It's hard. So this is not about living in kind of, woo, woo, victory, or pretend. But this is about placing our gaze and our focus on King Jesus, who is our provider, who is present, who has paid the price for all of our wrongdoing. And sometimes what we need to do is, before we get out of bed, is just... To acknowledge that he's there and to give him thanks for whatever you can think of to give him thanks. Don't thank the universe. Thank your loving Heavenly Father. So let me come into land with this and then I'm going to pray.
I, I hope you've heard this as I've, I've not said it directly, but, you, but we have a choice in this. It's where we started on this series, actually. We have a choice in every single moment, in every single day. And I know that for some folks in the room, the, the overwhelmingness of what you are wrestling with and what you are going through is, is you know, it's, it's just huge. You know, we saw a little bit of that last week with some of, the, some of the testimonies of some of the folks that said some stuff. But every single one of us still has a choice. You have a choice as to, are you going to live in anxiety? This is probably the most anxious generation that there's been. Why? Because its focus is on, its, on itself. You know, the, the, the lens is me, I'm the center of the world, I'm the center of everything. And, and you know, that's going to make you incredibly anxious and paranoid and distressed. And, and, and I think people are realizing that. But you can choose where you live. You can either live in anxiety or you can choose to put your attention on the living God, to give him thanks, to direct your thanks not to the ether, but to your loving heavenly father. And, the th and thanksgiving is the act. It's a choice. It's an act, something that you can choose to do that will actually help you to enter into the gates, the presence of the living God. Oh, and shh, it's the secret to being content. Did I tell you that? <sighs> yeah. Shall we stand? We're going to pray and... Um, I'm going to pray and then I'll hand over to Meg. I, I want to I pray particularly for those of you that are, that are contending is a good word. That are having to just hold on because it's really tough. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything. But you know who you are. And I'm just going to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you know each person in the room. And you know our struggles. And I pray especially for those that just <laughs> that just even struggle you see, the music's coming for you, okay? His song is coming over you. For those of you that even just struggle to hold on, I pray that you would see by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning that you have a choice. This is not about you working hard to get out of the pit. It's about where your gaze is going to be. And I pray for each one of us that you would you'd help us to step into thankfulness as a discipline, as a life-giving choice. And that as we do that, we would know more of your presence. In Jesus' name.
Um, we're going to go into a time of sort of response and worship. We have a really fabulous prayer team. Um, so if there's anybody who would just like to be blessed, prayed over, um, do come on up um, and uh, folk would love to pray with you. Um, a little caveat here is that, you know, we're not medics and we're not doctors. And so the stuff that Mark's saying now um, is not in the, in not acknowledging that some folk here might be really struggling and actually they need to see a GP. They need to get extra medical help. Um, so, you know, don't carry a burden with you. Um, if, if you need to speak, and this is one of the wonderful things about being part of a church family is we've got one another. We can turn to one another. We can spot when people are, are struggling um, and help one another out. Um, but it's good news. God's got, got your backs. He's, he's, he loves you and he wants to bless you. So um, let's, uh, let's lead into a time of worship. <laughs> 